I think the difference between the adult or the capital A is when that inner authority is behind the driver seat, right? And is driving in us, the inner child, the rebellious teenager, um, and the adult. Mm. They're all going on this journey together uh, through life. And as long as we can get the adult to drive most of the time, um, I think we have a very well-balanced life. It's, it's when it's the scared child or the immature child or the child without experiences to deal with life's challenges. When they're constantly behind a driver's seat, that's when we are in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's developing the adult with a capital A to be the drive, in the driver's seat and then engage the inner child for play. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to our first interview episode of 2021. I'm really excited about our show today as I know all of us, we're ready to leave the craziness of 2020 behind us. But we all know it's not as easy as just saying goodbye and then just waking up in January thinking everything will be different because everything starts with us, right? Our commitment, our choice, our beliefs, etc. So to help us plan and prepare ourselves into the better versions of ourselves in 2021, we are talking to an international awareness coach, teacher, speaker, healer about the art of adulting to achieve self-mastery. Our guest today is passionate about guiding people all over the world on their transformational journey. She's a certified certified gestalt therapy practitioner, certified master NLP practitioner, sacred healing minister, Reiki master, and also holds a degree in human services and social work. Her style is a unique combination of the above modalities mixed with a dash of mindfulness, a pinch of spirituality, and a healthy dose of intuition. I also love that she calls herself a lifelong learner. She too was a former corporate America exec who embarked on a personal development quest that completely changed her life. And she's here today to share her wisdom with us. So please meet our guest, Adela Rafa. Hi, Adela. Happy New Year. Welcome. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me this morning. And start out, kick off the new year. Yay. I'm super excited about that. Exactly. Me too. How's your new year going so far? So far is great. I am down in South Florida visiting my boyfriend, my partner for a couple of weeks and the weather is fabulous. We've had a wonderful (laughs) time. Yes, it's been great. Oh, well, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm a tad jealous about the weather comment because I'm in the beautiful Lisbon, which is where I recently uh, relocated to, but it's actually a lot colder than like typical like winters in in Lisbon. So a little adjustment here, but nonetheless... So Adela, when we briefly chatted over the holidays, you mentioned your program called The Art of Adulting. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting concept. And I admit, while I'm very much an adult in the literal sense, of course, I thought, hmm, is there something we all adults can still learn about the art of adulting? So I would love for you to tell us, like, what do you mean by the art of adulting without Without getting into the specific steps just yet. Yeah, of course. Um, To answer your question, yes, I hope so. I hope we continue learning and growing and adulting. Um, One of the things that I say is there's good news and bad news about adulting. Um, The good news is it's not a destination. And the bad news is it's not a destination. So it's not like we arrive at a certain age or achievement to feel like we have it all quote unquote handled and I'm an adult now. Like when do we turn adults? Um, I did a presentation for um, high schoolers and I asked them, when, when do you become an adult? And they were 
so many different answers to the question. Um, some said 30, some said 60, some said 18, some said 35. And it was really curious to me, their perception of when do you become an adult? And then they compared the answer to the adults in their lives. And some kids said, you know, I know a lot of grownups, but I don't see them as adults. So there is... Yes, I think we can always grow into what I call an adult with a capital A that's a little bit more self-mastery than an adult Mm -hmm. with a small A that is still searching, learning, growing, mastering, seeking, um, you know, growing into ourselves as humans. Yeah. Mm. But like we we can never stop learning, right? So then I guess... The question is, like, do we ever reach that capital A adult if we constantly want to learn? Well, I, I, I hope so with the intention of always growing and learning and changing. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are 18, we think, oh, my God, I'm an adult now, right? Because legally mm-hmm. I'm considered a, an adult. But we yeah. have so much left to learn and we, we grow into our our version of, let's say, ourselves in our 20s. And then we morph into our 30s and with experiences and learning and challenges and more experiences and with with jobs, relationships, careers, losses, discoveries, all of that forms us. So we, like I said in the beginning, it is not a destination per se. It's more of a practice. To me, yeah. adulting is a practice. Therefore, practice. Therefore, I call it. It's an art. It's an art, and yeah. it's changing. Um, you know, I I am in my early fifties right now, and I I like to think that each decade I change a little bit and I grow a little bit more. Um, and, and it's not that I'm constantly um, dissing where I was. It's more about appreciating what I my, what my experiences, my learning was so that I can grow into more of where I'm going next. Yeah, no, you're right. I like how you put it about how reminding us that it's a process and why you call it the art of adulting. So let's, let's, you know, face the fact that it's, you know, we're not denying that many of us, if not all, we're very eager to leave 2020 behind us for obvious reasons. But, you know, as I said in the intro, reality struck that when we woke up on January 1st, nothing in terms of our exterior world changed. But I know that many of us are ready for a positive change, but may not know exactly where to start. So before we get into the how with your five steps to self-mastery, in the art of adulting, can you first share if there are any common setbacks or hindrances we may have in each of us trying to achieve our self-mastery in adulting? Are there any setbacks? Uh, oh, yes. I I believe we, we do have obstacles and setbacks that um, present themselves in various forms. Um, one of the main ones for that I think we struggle with the most is resistance, our resistance to change, um, mm-hmm. you know, for various reasons, you know, um, it can be change is an outside force that we don't want to see. And that could be, you know, loss of a job or loss of a loved one. Uh, it could be many different things um, that we don't want to change. So we hang on and we grasp and we'll hold on. Um, and that can be a challenge to, grow and to to maneuver change in various forms um a setback can be i mean there's so many setbacks that can show up and present themselves but if we look at them as um growth opportunities learning opportunities um i believe that we can find a gift in each of those obstacles it's like an obstacle course you know um they, <laughs> they don't have to be hard and and um uh, a setback that is that means that we cannot get up and try again. We just we need more information, and what is that information we need to overcome this particular setback or challenge? Mm-hmm. 
I like how you put it. It's like an obstacle course. Maybe if we kind of perceive it and approach it that way, that it doesn't have to be hard, like you said, then uh, there it could be easier to not, you know, have that resistance, perhaps. I've heard so, you, I've heard you talk about um, and, and interview people talk about mindset and. And yes. I, I, it, it is so much about mindset. Mindset is so important because we can look at even the word obstacle or challenge or setback, right? And it's then we, we give it a value of good or bad, you know, but if we, it's very black and white, but if we can just look at it as like, okay, this is what's presented here. What do I need next to take the very next step? What's the next step I can take? regardless of the value I give it of it's hard, it's a setback, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging. Um, the yeah. thing itself is not challenging. It's how we perceive it and what we call it and what we name it and what we give meaning to, how we give meaning to it that makes it quote unquote hard or challenging or setback. Yeah. And that's an interesting point that you, you bring up. And I feel like when we put that hard value or try to see things in black and white or, or, or things in extremes, it could really prevent us from allowing us to see things a little bit differently or to see things with a different perspective. Um, at least from my, from my point of view, you know, and, and knowing that it doesn't have to be at the extremes. It doesn't have to always be black and white or don't have to have a certain label to it. Correct. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So let's now get directly into the five key steps you you say are essential to adulting because I know that I, there's going to be so much here in each of the steps. And can we go through them one by one? Of course. Yes. Okay. There's probably 105, but I've narrowed it down to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for the sake of uh, the, our, our scheduling with our, the yes. podcast recording, yes. but you're right. And for it to be digestible. So let's yes. start with step one, you say is responsibility. Tell us what do you mean by responsibility here? Well, responsibility is really owning your life and taking ownership of this is your life and you are ultimately responsible for yourself. A lot of times, like when we grow up, you know, we are not responsible. We are not ultimately responsible. We have parents that are responsible. We have teachers. We have a lot of people outside of ourselves that help us with our responsibility. But at some point, we have to shift that other people are not coming to help us and rescue us all the time. We have to come for ourselves. And we ultimately have to be responsible for our own life and where we're going with it, what we want to do with it. You know, we can either be, um, you know, we can have the mentality of life is happening to me and mm -hmm. I'm more in a victim mode and I don't have any say in it, or we can look and say, life is happening for me. Life is happening for me. And therefore I am a co-creator, if you will. I'm a partner in what's happening in my life. And ultimately I am responsible for where I'm going Th that I can control. I can't ne not necessarily control outside events. I can't control the politics and the, the, the world issues, the pandemics of the world. I don't have any control over that, but I can control and I can have responsibility of my part in it, my emotional well-being, my physical well-being, my spiritual well-being, my emotional well-being. That I can take responsibility for. Mm. And not outsourcing Correct. your emotions and feelings and everything to anybody or anything else, as you say, taking control within it, within yourself. Yes. Um, we, we can share responsibility, obviously, like in a household, you know, families share responsibility with chores, with, with maybe you, you and the partner share responsibilities on bills and, you know, housework and all those things. We, we can share responsibility, but for our lives, we are definitely responsible for ourselves and take once we can take ownership of this is my life and I'm responsible once that clicks we have more freedom and we have more choice yeah yeah exactly I mean because at the end of the day you have a choice to re to act and react to you know how someone is acting towards you or anything and at, and at the end of the day it's your 
you are responsible for that and how you feel about it. They are not making you feel that way. Exactly. And even the play of the word, if you want to say one more, more, more thing about that is, you know, the uh-huh. ability to respond is responsibility. What is my ability to respond to life as it's unfolding around me? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah. I can work on my ability to respond versus just reacting. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a little bit of that in the word itself, my ability to respond respond to life as it unfolds and my role in it. Yeah. I like that. So the next step two Mm -hmm. is the roadmap to accountability. And we all know Adela, what taking accountability means and how it can be a key driver in seeing real success in any type of programming or or self-growth. And there is this beautiful quote. I don't know if you've heard it, but uh, it's by Master Shiheng Yi. And I love that he refers to this. He says, there are two mistakes along the way to self-mastery, not starting it, not going all the way. So Adela, can you tell us what does a roadmap for our personal accountability look like so we can go all the way? <laughs> well, it's um, responsibility and accountability are um, go hand in hand, right? The difference between responsibility and accountability, I would say, is probably that responsibility can be shared, like I said a few minutes earlier. Accountability is um, the ability to account for your life, the ability to have the ultimately accountability and own all your parts, own your mistakes, own your successes, own all of it. And, you know, apologize when needed, um, even to yourself, forgive and move on. Um, The roadmap to accountability for me is also knowing the, the difference between when I'm holding myself accountable and when I'm blaming, when I'm holding myself accountable or when I'm rationalizing, I'm avoiding, I'm resisting, I'm blaming, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to be accountable and hold myself responsibility ultimately. I'm still seeking to project and, and, give, and in essence, I give my power away when I'm not holding myself accountable. So Mm. accountability to me is also falls under the category of empowered. Empowerment and accountability go hand in hand because I can hold myself accountable and say, yes, I made a mistake or yes, I need to fix that. Yes, I need to correct that and not shame ourselves or not blame others. Like in in an organization or a company, you know, they people that teams or people that are successful leadership are the ones that says, yep, I own that. Yes, I can fix that. Yes, I can correct that. Um, Yes, I'll handle it without feeling victimized by it. The opposite of accountability is, uh, to me, is, you know, being victim, victimized um, and blaming and not looking to, to ultimately, you know, be the one that's the one in your life that yeah. says, okay, it's mine. I'll take it. I'll handle it. And then, you know, you can, you can also like, if, if, since I brought up a company and a team, you know, sometimes we share responsibilities. Uh, we can share a- accountabilities, but if it's your thing to do or your role to play, you are the one that's going to be held accountable. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing because then they can be, we can learn from it. We can grow from it. We can develop from it. Accountability is not a bad thing to me. It's a good thing. It's a You're right. Yeah. I like I like you how you said that and emphasized that in it and uh, brought it into the context of the corporate or, or company, a job type of environment because actually it reminded me of kind of the the growth process I went through in accepting accountability in the workplace too from my earlier career uh, stage into when I you know advanced and became more confident and mature, knew how to take account- accountability because in my younger career um, years, Adela, I had 
I had a hard time taking accountability of my mistake or owning accountability of my mistakes because I was afraid to be a failure, afraid to accept that I can make any mistakes. But I learned throughout my own process and career development and just maturing and adulting possibly that, like you said, it's not a, it's not reflection of how good or bad you are. And I think it shows maturity. It shows strength that, hey, I I made a mistake. I'm aware of it. I apologize. And this is what I'm going to do next. At least in the corporate environment, that's how I evolved into wanting to take accountability and try to you know, teach within teams that I was managing. But I liked how you brought that up. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's one of the easiest places we can look and see about accountability. And um, I mean, I work with uh, some corporate teams. And one of the things that we touch on a lot is accountability. How do I hold my team members accountable? Like, well, let's, let's take a look at what starts from the top, right? How is the, the leader in the company holding them accountable? And what's the, what's the culture around accountability and responsibility? Like, how do we share that? How do we do when somebody, what do we do when somebody makes a mistake? You know, do we learn from it? You know, do we grow from it? Do we all take part of, okay, let's, you know, mistakes to me just means we need more information. What's the information we need? Do we need more education? Do we need more uh, coaching? Do we need more uh, tools? What do we need? Because um, mistakes is often like, you know, something is missed. What was missed? What did we not see? And that to me is what accountability looks like. And we can do that in our own lives too. And you are right. Um, one of the setbacks that we talked about earlier that you asked me about is fear. You know, fear plays such a big role in our lives and it stops us. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to be seen less than perfect in a lot of ways. So we don't hold ourselves accountable because that might be a reflection then of you know, our, our lack, or that's the thoughts or the stories that we might tell ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough, or I'm too much, you know? Uh, so we go into the stories instead of just saying, yes, how can I learn from this? Yes, I own that mistake. And how can we all learn from it? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you just, uh, I know we should, uh, we have still a few more steps, yes. but just one last thing on accountability. I wanted kind of talk, bring it into relationships. Like how, how, cause you, you know, made a very powerful point in regards to accountability, accountability versus blaming. Mm-hmm. So how can we, and, and you're an awareness coach too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how can an individual in a relationship be aware when they, sh- you know, of being accountable versus like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to blame someone. Yes. Well, one of the first sign is if you start the sentence with you, <laughs> uh, you always, you never, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's one of the, the red flags perhaps to say, oh, okay. So I want to start the sentence with you versus I or me, mm. right? That's a good sign that indicates, okay, I'm, I'm looking to blame mm. instead of owning. What is mm. my part in this? Mm, that was, that was, yeah, that was a very good aha. Uh-huh. And, and you brought up those other words that I've learned that is, uh, can be basically like a bomb in communicating with um, a partner is when you bring up always and never. <laughs> oh, it's like yes. never use those words. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's, there's not a- accurate, right? Like there's, Correct. it's never, never, and it's never always. But um, anyway, that was very, very good point. When you being, re- being aware when mm-hmm. you're starting with you. Yes. As opposed to taking accountability with I. Mm. And, and if you want to use um, never or always, those are called absolutes. You know, we speak in absolute. Mm. You never mm-hmm. do this and you always do that. Um, mm. Those are those are called absolutes. And when we do that to emphasize and usually blame, <laughs> we emphasize yeah. the blame. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So let's move on to third step, which is to keep learning. And we touched on this earlier that you said that it's not a destination. It's a process. We're always learning. So what should we keep learning about ourselves as we go through our adulting process? Well, to me, um, there was so much to learn always. You know, I went through my first I think 30 years with thinking I knew everything there was to know about myself. Well, I probably thought that by the time I was 19, I know everything. <laughs> um, and I thought I knew myself really well. And then I discovered, you know, and whole in, inner landscape that I began to explore in my early thirties, maybe even before then, but that's when I really got interested in the whole inner mind, body, spirit, emotional um, landscape um, within myself. And there is always more to learn and grow. Um, and I, I believe that if we can have more curiosity, not only about ourselves, but other people and things and interests and trying new things, that stimulates so many things. Are, are, it's good for, and, and it's good for our brains, right? And when we grow older, it's important to keep our brains stimulated. Um, so what can we learn about ourselves? Oh, so much, so much to learn about ourselves. Um, and not just what we like and what we dislike, but who are we, who are we being? I, I ask that question a lot. Who are you being? Hmm. When this happens or that happens or in front of this person, in front of that situation, when you travel, when you explore, you know, when you play, when you watch movies, who are you being and where are you? Like, where is, where is your attention? Where is your awareness? Hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's a lifetime of learning. I hope um, I plan for anyhow. I want to continue exploring um what I'm capable of, what I'm willing to do, what places I'm willing to explore it both inside my mind and outside in the world. There's so much to learn and grow and see and explore. Mm -hmm. um, uh, those are some powerful questions about like, who are we being? Where are, where are you? And asking ourselves this through our learning process. And that one question, who are we being? So when we're asking ourselves that, Adela, uh, what do you mean by that? How should we be answering? So <laughs> who, I mean, it's such a powerful question, but I don't like if, if you told me to ask yourself that, Chris, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to be answering. Like who, who am I being? What, isn't that a good start? Isn't that? Yeah, no, it's not very, <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I love it, but I'm just, and, and, and like you said, it, it really gets me to be very inquisitive. It's like to really ponder, wait, you know, and that's a good thing. But, but then now I'm stuck. Like, or is there no right or wrong answer? There is no right or wrong answer. Yes. There's no right or wrong answer. But how can it be wrong? You know, how can it be a wrong answer? Um, can it be a right answer? Of course. Um, but can it be a wrong answer? Yes, that too. But in a, in a way you were all those things and none of those things. You, you are more than the sum of it all. Yeah. There's, you know, uh, like you were saying, how do you know, how do you ultimately get to the adult with a capital A? Like there is no destination really per se. So who am I being? Like in this moment, um, I am, um, you know, look and see who you are being this moment. For me, it could be I am, I am being excited about sharing my art of adulting. So I am being somebody that's very excited and I'm passionate about what I'm, what I'm, ex you know, this topic. Um, and I'm, I am grateful that you found something to be curious about in our conversation. That's who I'm being right now. Mm, yeah. Got it. Okay. Right? Um, beyond, beyond being, you know, a woman beyond being a mother, beyond being a sister, beyond being, you know, an awareness coach. Who am I being? Yeah. What energy, what spirit, what motions, what, yeah. what are those things you're bringing to the table in this present moment of wherever you are experiencing, whatever it may be. Exactly. Bingo. You got it. Yes. Ah, okay. That, that was powerful. So then the step four you say is 
cultivating virtues and values. And this is interesting to me because I would think or want to assume we all know what our core values are. No? So what virtues and values are you talking about and how do we cultivate them? Um, I I would love to think that we all know what our core values and um, virtues are. But a lot of times people don't. People don't know. People don't ask themselves um, and they don't know what they believe in until it's challenged um, or it is a boundary mm-hmm. is broken uh, or violated. Then we, oh, now I know what I stand for. Now I know what I believe in. And a lot of times we don't know what our values, our own values are because a lot of times we have been handed values to believe in. That's true. Our, you know, our parents and our caregivers and our teachers and our environment and our friends and our peers and our, our companies. Right, everything. <laughs> yes. So a lot of times we don't really ponder and consider and think about what's important to me. What do I stand for? What do I believe in? What do I, um, what, what values are important to me? Even in families, in families, we might, um, we might, practice the values, but we may not talk about them. A lot of times we may not name them. We may not cultivate them and talk about them in in discussions and conversations so that we, we are on the same page. Um, And only when um, a a boundary is violated somehow, can, do we get upset? And the upset is often because a value has been um, come to question. Or being violated, right? Like we saw that, like this past year, with maskers versus no maskers, with you know, in the mm. political environment, it was such polar opposites. But people were really feeling, you know, their their boundaries were broken somehow. Like I believe in this, and it was very strongly. But before then, before the it was challenged, we weren't really clear on a lot of times what we believe in and what we value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Wow. That like, we may be oblivious to it until it's challenge. And the, the mask uh, example was a really good one. So without having to be challenged, is there a practice? And, and you probably go through this in your program, but can yeah. you tell us maybe like one example of how we can go through a practice of getting really clear on our values and virtues. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of exercises and, and I do one of the exercises in, in my program too, is to really look at some core values um, just by, by looking at a list and there's, I mean, you can Google values and a million different words will come up and you can look and see what resonates with you. And it's not about really overthinking because we can have a lot of values, but I think if we can get to core, like between one and five, even 10, I mean, it doesn't matter. The amount doesn't really matter. It's just like having that be a foundation. And I do this a lot when I work with teams, like what is, what is the three to five values that we want to cultivate so that when we get off track, we have something to come back to and remind us like, okay, this is the foundation. This is what we stand on. This is what we build from. And that can go with ourselves too. Like one of my core values to give an example, like if I could just have one, um, it's integrity. Like my mm. word is really important to me. And um, I know that when, when I feel out of alignment with my integrity, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I feel off balance. So I know something needs to go back. I need to go back to my values and and practice what I preach and practice walk my talk, right? So that's it's 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 kind of like my GPS and my foundation at the same time. Like having some values that I believe in stand like when if I I I I raised my kids as a single mom. And when they would ask me things like, can I have this? Can I have that? And I would never make them a promise that I couldn't keep. And sometimes that was hard for them because they just wanted to hear, yes, you can do it. Or yes, you can have it. <laughs> um, but I would, I would say, I will not give you my word if I cannot keep it. And right now I can't guarantee it. So like that to me was, I, I was 
cultivating a value, which is integrity. Yeah. Like I say what I, what I'm going to do, I do what I'm going to say. And that takes strength, a lot of inner strength, I feel, and, and discipline and, and you know, uh, speaking with integrity as opposed to just saying something that someone else wants to hear. Like in the case of your, you know, your kids wanting something instead of just saying, yes, you can have it. Right. And that goes with accountability and responsibility. See how they're all tied together. That's why I could narrow them down from 105 to five keys. They're <laughs> connected. And that goes yeah. with learning too learning how to set boundaries, learning how to cultivate my values and knowing who I am, which goes with, you know, the learning question of who am I being right now? Am I being their friend or am I being their parent? Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. So then the final step, Adela, is developing inner authority, you say. And I love this step, but do you mean inner authority as in honing our intuitive gift? If not, what's the difference? And if there's a difference, how do we, how can we leverage both? Yeah, this is, this is like a long one. This could be a course in itself, like a whole mm-hmm. five steps to grow inner authority probably. Um, because inner authority to me is, yes, it's part intuition. It is part, um, uh, confidence, being grounded, being congruent, being aligned, feeling empowered. Um, Part of an inner authority is knowing or working on constantly growing into who am I being and knowing that about myself. I know who I am. I was working with somebody recently that um, they are they're always looking outside of themselves for permission and answers and what to do next in their lives. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and yet they don't like to be told what to do. So they're seeking, right? They're seeking somebody to come and tell them what to do or ask for permission or ask for affirmations. But then when they hear it, they don't want to hear it. Um, and we talked about, and that was like the lack of, inner authority, when we don't have that inner knowing of who we are and what we need to do next, making a decision, for example, comes from an inner authority. A lot of time we vacillate, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, um, is the story we tell ourselves. And, and, and I, I like to challenge what, what do you know, start there, um, because that is the inner authority that knows when the other parts of us don't know. What do we know? Let's start there. And, you know, it'll, it's surprising then when people start telling you what they do know. And it's usually very clarity. That clarity and that knowing, that's part of that inner authority. When we are empowered and when we don't give our powers away to others. Yeah. But again, how, but again, for those like that client you, you brought up, like how can someone like that tap into or know when it is their inner authority speaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I usually ask, where is my power? Where is my energy? Is it inside of myself or is it outside of myself? And usually when there's a lot of confusion and indecisiveness and decisiveness, it's the power is not within, it's without, it's out there. So then getting back into my body and getting back to, you know, maybe taking a few deep breaths and getting back into myself and in my body and ask, you know, what do I know? How can I make this decision right now? Where is my power? Where is my, um, what am I, um, am I making decision for me or for somebody else? Am I looking to please? Am I looking for permission? Am I looking, what, what am I, what are some, what some of the questions I can ask myself in this moment to gain some clarity? Cause, cause if, and even asking like, if, who am I seeking to come and help me? Who am I seeking to come and rescue me mm. or help me or guide me? And for what reason? Is it because I don't want to take responsibility and hold myself accountable? Or is it because I really don't know the answer and I need help? That's different. An inner authority, an an authority knows when to ask for help and ask for questions and ask for support. 
It's not about I can do it all by myself. That's not what I mean by inner authority. Inner authority is just knowing we have the answers usually within ourselves. We usually do. And it's about tapping into that part of us that knows the answers to what needs to happen next. That's, yeah. No, I I totally agree with you in that. And and for me, it it took, uh, you know, work and personal development as well to, to recognize that I have an intuitive gift, all my, and just like everyone else and all the answers that we seek in life about us, it's, it's within us, but knowing, knowing that tapping into it, harnessing that, like when you really need to, because, you know, our, our thoughts can be muddled with, you know, all, all a lot of external voices. And that's when, uh, you know, the practice of and why I asked, well, how can someone like that Mm -hmm. know what our inner authority is? And I think, you know, a lot of the questions that you you brought up and how we can ask these, I think that's very important, very powerful. And just being at least for my practice as well, too, just being with yourself and asking these questions in solitude, in in quiet, in peace and quiet, because then at, that's when like your body will react. That's when you can feel. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I think, um, yes, asking those questions and a lot of them, like the one earlier about like, who am I being? Like the questions that may not be such an easy yes or no question, but that really forces you to just be with yourself and your thoughts. Yes. Yes. Um, and usually the inner authority is a quiet, quieter, less charged. It's usually not charged at all. It's not full of emotion. Um, the inner authority is that quiet, confident, um, silent, like it comes from a place of depth. So, and, and, and I don't know what to call it other than inner knowing, like you just know, how do you know what you know? You just know like that. It's almost mystical (laughs) when you you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure all of us have experienced that. Cause like when you say it, when you said it, like you just know, like I've certainly been there when I just know, you know, and like call it intuition, call it inner authority. Yes. But like, yeah, like you said, like there's been times, whatever situation or environment may be, like I can give examples of like when I had to make a decision at work or in a relationship or, or quitting everything like I did in New York City to move to Europe. Like I just knew I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. yeah. So how, I, I, so how did you know? You just knew. So that's the difference between you, the inner knowing and the inner fear. Because fear yeah. will come up with excuses and reasons and uh, exactly. justifications. Like that's the difference, right? And knowing yeah. is just a knowing. And there, yeah. there's no explanation needed, no excuses, no, um, no complaining around it. It just is. You're right. Yeah. And I like how you also put it uh, earlier. It's not charged. Right. Like this feeling is quieter. It's just, it's like that quiet confidence, that air quiet confidence that, like you said beautifully again, like it's not a charged emotion because when it's charged, like to your point, there's a feelings of fear and questioning. So that was a very good, uh, I think, description and understanding of how to describe what that inner knowing Yeah. And, and that one, that piece too comes with clear boundaries, which is, you know, another five steps on how to set boundaries, right? Um, Because that inner authority knows when a boundary is crossed Mm -hmm. and and corrects it because we take responsibility and hold ourselves accountable. And, you know, we, we know our values. So it's not difficult. That one is when you get into that place and you know you could you probably know the difference between 20 and 30 and, and 40 in relationships you know like in your 20s you probably more prone to let things slide and not set clear boundaries because you don't really you're still getting to know yourself and you don't know what's right and what's wrong for yourself but then when we mature and have more experiences we learn to say no we learn to say yeah that doesn't feel right we learn and that is part of growing that inner authority 
that knows what we want and what we need and is not afraid to say it or remove ourselves from a situation that is not working for us. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, which is not uh, easy either, but having that inner knowing can help with the process. Um, wow. So I just want to summarize here because as you said, there could be a hundred and plus <laughs> steps, but you've really helped to uh, narrow it down to some five powerful steps here. One was to have responsibility. Two is to develop a roadmap to establish accountability. Three is to never stop learning. Four is to cultivate your virtues and values. And uh, the fifth is to develop your inner authority. These all are the process of achieving self-mastery or that capital A of adulting. But can I ask Adela from your perspective, because it just sounds so serious, but can the part of our adulting process also have an element of fun? I just feel like adulting... (laughs) We forget that inner child of us of just not taking things a little too seriously too. Oh gosh. I think I have more fun now than I did when I was uh, a (laughs) non-adult. Yes. I believe that, you know, again, what what I mentioned, we have more choice and freedom. And one of the freedoms is to have more fun and to play more in our lives. And, you know, I do a lot of inner child work too. Um, And I think the difference between the adult or the capital A is when that inner authority is behind the driver seat, right? And is driving us, the inner child, the rebellious teenager, um, and the adult. Mm. Uh, They're all going on this journey together um, uh, through life. And as long as we can get the adult to drive most of the time, um, I think we have a very well-balanced life. It's, It's when it's the scared child or the immature child or the child without experiences to deal with life's challenges when they're constantly behind a driver's seat. That's when we are in trouble or when we have our rebellious or, you know, angry or, um, well, you know, my teenager was all those things, but my teenager was also very adventurous and a risk taker and, you know, had a lot of fun, but then the, uh, responsibilities and the accountability is lacked, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 developing the adult with a capital A to be the drive in the driver's seat, and then engage the inner child for play and the teenager for you know creativity and adventure and maybe you know some from risk taking, but with with calculated risk taking, right? Yeah. Right. It, it, it's developing your inner family and, you know, draw on the various aspects of ourselves to have fun and play. But, you know, we can't always, we can't have fun and play all the time. We have to have some responsibilities and, you know, accountability and all those things to, to lead a balanced life. We yeah. can, you know, but we can have fun doing it. Yeah, I love your analogy, though, about the adult being in the driver's seat and taking the inner child for the ride, not letting the inner child overtake um, you from knowing when to take responsibility, accountability, and all of that. So with that said, Adela, I love to ask this question to all of my guests. If you can pass on one piece of wisdom to your younger self to remind her to live fully in the present and always on her own terms. Is there anything you'd like to pass on? Such a great question. I love that question. (laughs) Hmm. Well, I would probably say, I would say to my younger self throughout each, each decade and each age, um, give yourself and others probably give yourself and others more space and grace. Mm. And what I mean by that is space to, to grow, to explore, to fall, to fail, to learn like space, more space. Um, and because it's not a narrow path, we think it's so narrow, but give yourself more, roam a little bit more <laughs> and, and grace 
uh, to forgive yourself, to uh, laugh at yourself, to um, um, to forgive not only yourself but others too. Like give yourself and others more grace to to make mistakes, to not get it right, to get up again, to just be more and with more kindness and compassion and care. That's I like that. Give yourself more space and grace, yourself and others, space and grace. That would be my advice. I think that's a beautiful advice. I love that. And so on that note, Adela, um, please tell us, because I know you have a course on the art of adulting. So where can our listeners find you, connect with you, and uh, check out this course on the art of adulting? I know you have a special offer for us as well. I do. I do have a special offer for your listeners. Um, But the best way to find me is probably on the World Wide Web. My website is, um, it's, it's actually Adela. It's Adela Rafa. You know what? I, I like to hear people's interpretation of my name. Uh, so sure. yes, it's, it's all good, but it's AdelaRafa.com and it's A-D-E-L-A-R-A-F-F-A.com. And my course is there. My information, my contact information is there. And of course, you know, Instagram and Facebook is out there too. And I actually have a Facebook group. If anybody's interested um, to join there, it's free and it's awareness with Adela. Look, look in groups and find me there. And, and I give like little nuggets and tidbits for my, my group members. Um, and, and the next thing we're going to be talking about, the next big thing, because I did a survey, will be how to communicate more effectively within and without. So the internal dialogue and the external dialogue. Um, and my course, Art of Adulting, is a self-paced course that can be found on my website. But for your listeners, I have a, a special link um, because I'm giving a 20% discount to your listeners to, if they um, one would like to take this self-paced online course. You um, download it and um, it's yours forever. You can take it as many times as you want to. Um, it's, you know, it's me talking through some videos and then there is a beautiful workbook with um, that takes you through all those steps. So it's a self-paced kind of coaching course. Um, and if you need extra support, you can always, you know, contact me um, to help you through the steps. Well, thank you so much for that offer. We will be sure to link that into the show notes. So um, and include that in our newsletter as well when we share the episode. And uh, thank you so much for correcting me. <gasps> so, so, Adela. Adela, yes. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure having you on and sharing your wisdom and these incredible steps for us to help us all achieve our self-mastery oh, in the new year. My forward. pleasure. Yes. Hope. Thank you so much for, um, for inviting me. I really enjoyed talking to you. You ask beautiful questions yourself. So I enjoyed speaking with you. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.